Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. And we are back on the Media Industry Guru Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Hope all is well. Happy Tuesday again. Here today we have Professor Lindsay Adler. She was my professor in college and has been a great mentor of mine and educator. She works in the marketing space and has had a plethora of music industry experience in New Orleans. She graduated Tulane. She works for Tulane as an adjunct professor and also at Loyola University in New Orleans teaches marketing courses in entertainment marketing and here we are going to learn about her eclectic industry experience starting off at Tipitinas and what it's like to work in live events while also being entrepreneurial. So let's welcome Professor Lindsay Adler to the podcast. Hi Professor Adler, welcome to the Media Industry Guru podcast. Very excited to hear all things about you. You've been such a fantastic mentor to me so I wanted all the listeners out there to learn about your experience and share your wisdom. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be part of it. So to get started, what got you interested in working in the music industry, especially New Orleans? So I came down to New Orleans uh, to go to Tulane. I had a friend at Loyola who was a year ahead of me. So I visited her a few times and I just kind of was felt drawn to the city. I loved the campus. And then um, pretty soon after uh, being a Tulane, I started to discover the the music scene here in New Orleans. You know, the Frenchman Street was pretty popular at that time. There was always live music to be found. I started interning at Chipotina's midway through college just because I, I just sort of loved being there. And so I would just, I, you know, was always over there. I went to the office one day. I don't even think they were advertising for interns. And I just popped in and said... Um, I'd really like to work here or intern here. Do you have any openings? And mm-hmm. they pretty much just hired me on the spot. So at that point, I was pretty immersed. Um, I think I was also at that time working as an assistant at the Gambit for the Big Easy Entertainment Awards, which I think they might still do it. Um, it's it gives awards to, to you know musicians and music industry professionals in the in the area. So. Um, at that time, so I was doing like music listing related related work for the Gambit. I was I was getting to know who all the kind of local superstars were because of my work with the Big Easy Entertainment Awards. I was going to a lot of music events to try to check out new bands, and just kind of had my finger on the pulse of what was um, you know hot and up and coming at the time. That was you know in the around two thousand. 2001, somewhere right around there. So I just wanted to be out seeing live music as much as possible. I mean, I think there were weeks when I was seeing live music five or six nights a week. <laughs> um, back in the day when I when I was young and had stamina <laughs> to stay out <laughs> late. Um, and so anyway, I just really, I you know, I, I grew up in a, I don't want to say it's a musical household, but my dad is really into 
um, music, like every kind of music, jazz, uh, rock, classical. I grew up, um, I played piano. I trained as a, I don't want to call myself a pianist because I was not anywhere near professional, but I, I trained in classical piano for 15 years. So there was always just a lot of music in my house growing up. So it was something that I always really loved. And then I just kind of naturally fell into it when I got here to, to New Orleans. So that's kind of a backwards way of telling my story, I guess, but I've always been sort of musically inclined. I love musical theater. I love, you know, like Broadway shows. Um, my parents took us to a lot of shows growing up. So I think it was sort of a natural fit that I ended up kind of gravitating toward the music industry because it's just something that I really enjoy and I, and I love. And, um, you know, now I don't really go, I wouldn't say I go out to see a lot of live music anymore, but music is definitely still an important part of my, my life and what I, you know, experience, like to experience with my own family. So that's sort of, that career path started as an intern and, an, you know, like an assistant in that world and then sort of grew. Um, and I don't know if this is a good time to kind of talk about my profession of tips or not, or if you that for later so you tell me um yeah we can talk about it a little bit later i'm curious to hear i know working at one of your first internship experiences was at tipitina's but what got you interested or passionate about the live event space because the music industry has so many different sectors sure i just really enjoyed it so much so when i was interning at, in the in the office so that my, my it was a day job you know i would go into the office and help in the box office help with ticketing help answer phones and then with that sort of i, I also was like putting up posters um passing out flyers so i remember at the time they would give us like a stack of 20 comps for each show um, like every single show and so it was my job to kind of like if I was out there giving putting up posters I could like give them to a store owner or a bar owner um, I could use them I could bring friends so it's not that I didn't already enjoy going to see live music but yeah. because of that sort of like I had these tickets that were freely given to me and so my friends and I just started going all the time um and then like for Big Easy Awards, I was supposed to, I was, I was supposed to help them discover like new artists because one of the categories was um, like new bands, new artists. So hmm. I was sort of, I wouldn't call it really a paid job. I kind of like willingly decided to start getting out there and just seeing as many bands as possible. Like there were a few nights, I think I was told, okay, go see these three bands. One's playing at Dragon's Den, one's playing at DBA and once playing at the Halloween or whatever it was. So I would get on the list, like through my connections at Gambit. Um, and then I would just kind of hop around almost like a talent scout or something yeah. and on a very um, small level. Like these bands probably never even knew that I was like even doing this. But I just, so I found myself in these opportunities to see live music all the time. And then because of the, my my role at Gambit and um, interning at Chipotina is you start to be able to get a lot of things for free. Like we could get festival tickets for free. I mean, not so much anymore like these days, but back then all you had to do was call up and say like, hi, I'm with Gambit weekly or like I work at Chipotina's. Can I get on the list? And you would get like a pass and you could go to 
you know, a show at the Sanger or like Superfly Presents was a local promoter that did a ton of events around the city. So as like a 20, 21 year old, it became very appealing that I could pretty much see anything I wanted to for free, no matter what it was. A festival, a large scale event, you know, with like VIP passes. Um, So that was really fun just to kind of hop around town, not having to pay for tickets (laughs) while also, you know, enjoying the live music. I mean, that that's really the reason why I was there. But the more that I kind of got into these jobs and these roles, the easier it was to pretty much see whatever I wanted to with my friends for free. So that's sort of, and then it became like a goal. Like, what else can we get? Can we get passes for this, like, you know, <laughs> festival? Can we get like backstage passes? It just sort of became a challenge. And so it, we just, we had a lot of fun with it. But the real reason we were there was because we loved seeing live music. I mean, I think I kind of fell into a group of friends who also love live music, which I know a lot of people do. So it's not that much of a stretch, but um, yeah. it just like kind of became our little world. So, and that's what we did for years. We loved doing it. And as an intern, I know, like, when I recall being an intern, you're like a sponge soaking in all the environment, learning from people, getting mentorship, um, just learning the ropes of everything. What were some of the biggest takeaways from um, Tipitina's, from the Big Easy, um, just any major highlights that you had that kind of um, led you to your journey today? So, uh, I mean, uh, so many, so many things, but one thing is I remember learning how not to act because (laughs) there are, there can be, it's, you know, sometimes the stress level is high. There's a lot of mixed personalities and I would see, I would just sort of stay quiet and do what I was supposed to do, but yet you can hear conversations happening around the office and you know, you can, you can hear when people are talking about other people. Um, and whether it's in the industry or in the office next door that they don't like, and you just sort of start to learn how to become someone who is like well-liked in the office and does the tasks that they're supposed to do really well. Mm -hmm. Um, and doesn't, you know, I just, I remember specifically there was somebody and I won't say who it was or what job it was, but there was someone who nobody liked, but this person was constantly complaining, constantly showing up. Or, I mean, not showing up or like calling in sick, um, didn't really have a great attitude in general. And I always remember thinking like, God, this, they have the best job ever. Like why it, it, at the time I was so young thinking like, yeah. the, why are they, why do they act like that? Because they can, you're clearly causing a problem at this office. Um, eventually that person actually left. And I ended up kind of taking over that role because I had learned how to do these tasks at the office. Like, for example, um, and I guess I'm going to say that it was a Tipitina's because now I have to, but there, there was this, <laughs> we, used to print, we used to print these tickets out, like paper tickets for the comps or for like the will call. And so the machine would was very temperamental and would break a lot. And so I had sort of become one of the only people who actually knew how to fix it as an intern. I, I wasn't even a paid employee at that time. So, you know, learn that and just kind of learning the daily routine is valuable to the other people that work there because they don't want to train anyone new. They want someone who already knows the ropes, who's already, you know, and, and we're not talking about like rocket science. I'm not like a doctor. It's just, I'm learning how to do these tasks that are vital to the daily flow of the office and like making sure that we, that 
things happen when they're supposed to happen. And so when you become that person who just very naturally fits into the role and doesn't, I, I'm not, I don't want to suggest that you shouldn't complain or be in a toxic work environment. That's, I'm not suggesting that anyone like, my advice is not to go along with that kind of environment. It's more about learning what you do best and letting that shine. And, you know, just having as much of a good rapport as you can with the people that you're around at the office, because that's going to make so much of a difference. I mean, it was, I, it was, I, a lot of the jobs that I've gotten have been like right place, right time. I was there. I knew how to do it. And I, it was like, Oh, well, there, that person's gone. Lindsay, do you want to take on this job? And I was like, of course. So I, I took every opportunity that came across my lap. Um, and I did that later on with the larger jobs too. It, it, even if it was a job that I was worried that I couldn't do, that I was scared. I mean, there have been many jobs that I felt like, I don't even know if I can do that. Not e at tips and, and not at tips. And I pretty much said yes to everything because I thought, you know what, I'm just going to figure it out. And I always do. And I just try to remain confident about it. And so anyway, that's, that, that would be my one, uh, one of the takeaways, I think. Um, the other, and I know I've told you this before multiple times, but is keeping a really good connections with the people that you have, um, the people that you worked with, especially the people that you have good rapport with. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of work. Sometimes that is just reaching out once or twice a year to connect, um, whether it's just to get coffee or just do a phone call or just an email just to say hi and what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's, you know, I've done a few, I, I don't want to call them favors, but like I've done a few things from time to time that were of either I did it, like I reached out on behalf of someone else. I wasn't expecting anything out of it. I wasn't expecting to get paid. Um, but there are just little, I think there are things that you can do to stay in contact with this person to kind of keep them, keep you on their radar because that's really, I can't, every single job that I've had or that I've completed or, or worked or organization I've worked with over the past 20 years has been related to someone that I had a previous contact with. I mean, when I interned at TIPS, I didn't know anybody, so I kind of started there. But that and my Gambit job uh, both helped me make, make some connections. Um, I mean, and part of it was that we just, I got along well with these people and we liked each other a lot. And so we continued to stay in contact. So that part is a little bit more natural. Some people, it takes a little bit more work. Um, and you're not going to be able to have that connection with everybody you work with. I think it's best to identify like one or two really strong connections and then just kind of do the best you can to stay in touch with them. Um, so I think those are kind of like my key takeaways. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a combination of the skill sets, but also um, the soft skills as well, the uh, motivation and drive really take place. Well, and that, and then this, the, the general enthusiasm for being there, I think go a long way. I mean, it was really clear to everyone that I loved being there and I, and I truly did. I've had interns and people that worked for me in the past that I didn't think were that enthusiastic about it. And I thought, do they not even want to be here? And so <laughs> that's the kind of thing you remember. Um, I mean, I've even, I've had a few students, a lot of students reach out to me after the semester's over, or a lot have in the past, like, you know, four or five years, 
to ask for either recommendations or do I have an, an idea for, and, you know, do I know anyone who's hiring interns? And most were engaged, good students. A few, I'm not sure I would put in that category. So, but I remember who they are. So if somebody, if somebody didn't show up to class that much or didn't, I, you know, didn't bother to like make a connection with me whatsoever or even say hello to me, I'm not going to be as likely to want to help them. Um, and I usually do anyway. I mean, I'm not going to give anyone a recommendation for an internship that I don't know or, you know, very well, but it, I, I guess what I'm saying is even if you're a student in a university and you're not in the, in the, you know, working field yet, you can still make an impact on people like your professors and other people on college campuses um, by going like a little bit, you don't even have to go the extra mile. It's making, I mean, it's not that hard to make a good impression on your professor. You need to show up to class and do the assignments and actually look and be engaged during class. Yeah. I remember the students who are and who aren't. And so I'm always going to be a lot more likely to help you know, and go the extra mile for someone and reach out to my contacts on their behalf if it's a student that I thought was an engaged um, student. And now shifting gears a little bit, what led you to, I know you have your own business, Social Mint NOLA, and uh, are an adjunct professor. So what led you to uh, teaching and mentoring students, but also having your own business and being entrepreneurial? Well, so when I left, um, towards the end of my time with Tipitina's, uh, it was, I think it was 2012, um, I was, I had a few children at that point and I, I think I was um, pregnant with my third and it was just becoming clear that I didn't want to um, be in like a venue environment necessarily, you know, there wasn't, there. I could be there during the day, but it was, I had been with the organization a long time. There were some leadership issues that I was having, especially having young children and being away from the office when I needed to be. So it just became clear to me that it was time to part ways. And I decided that I wanted to work from home. Um, so what that meant was that I wanted to launch a business where I could take on clients and work with different organizations out of my home office. Um, I didn't want to worry about having to be there at a desk somewhere at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. or whatever. Um, I wanted to work on my own terms, my own time, and, um, you know, just have a little bit more freedom and, and flexibility in, in how I spend my time during the day. So I left Tibetina's with no real job in sight. And one of the first things I did was call, um, I called a few people that I had worked with, but one of them was Bill Taylor, who I had heard just moved back to town. And he and I, we didn't work super closely together when we were both at Tipitinas. He was with the foundation um, and I was more on the music side. I was the general manager and, and um, he was booking the bands at one point, but then somebody else did. And then I took over. So we had sort of crossed over in terms of, jobs, but he was more on the foundation side. But um, okay. I, I heard he had just moved to town. I ran into him somewhere. And so I called him and said, I'm looking to 
find some work, um, even if it's just part time and just here and there. And I and I called a few other contacts I had and told them the same thing. So he at that point was right in the beginning stages of starting the Truman Shorty Foundation. Um, it was it was in the works for like the last. 10 months or something when I talked to him. And so they were right at the early stages of looking to potentially hire some help. So I just kind of got in the door at the right time with him. Um, he, he had another organization that he was kind of working with, um, with a, a friend and partner. So I did a little bit of work, event based, um, like event planning type work for them. So it was all just kind of like event based one-off contractual type of work. And I just picked up work whenever I could. I did a little bit of work for a local promoter um, related to like ticketing and marketing. Um, and I tried to do some work in social media. Um, so I just kind of put the feelers out there to everyone I knew that I was looking to get into social media. I, I even did some cold calling. I, I spent, I remember one Saturday night, I just, it was like 10 o'clock at night and I was like looking at all of the local restaurants and venues to see whose social media I thought was like subpar. So then what I would do is I would go to their website and I sent them an email and I said, I have some ideas for how you can improve your social media. Would you agree to talk with me about it? I'd love to chat. And I actually got a couple of jobs that way. Um, but I just did whatever I, w- I looked on Craigslist. Like I was trying to think of all these different ways I could find some work. A few things kind of fell into my plate from some connections that I had I ended up getting a job a couple years later. Um, I, d- I did some social media work. I actually did. I ran social media for the Howlin' Wolf for like three years. Oh, wow. um, and and then I ended up doing some work for um, Magazine Street Merchants Association. So they, they had someone who was working on like membership and events and, and kind of general marketing and she left. So my a, an old contact from Gambit actually reached out to me to see what I was doing. And I said, and it was a part-time job. So anyway, I just sort of, to answer your question, I decided that I wanted, my priority was going to be working from home, working, choosing who I wanted to work with and working on my own terms, hmm. uh, within my own terms. And so I have worked for some organizations that I, it wasn't my favorite, but I think that I've, at the time, like when you are a freelancer, sometimes, especially when you're first starting, you kind of take on whatever job comes your way and you learn from it. Even if you don't continue with them, you learn, you know, maybe you undercharged, maybe you decided you don't want to work with that type of organization or, or that specific industry. Um, every job that I've had, I've learned so much from, um, I, I got another, so and then, like, Truman, even Truman Shorty Foundation and Bill has, like, kind of gotten me extra work. There was a PR company that we worked with in the first year of doing our event. And so we didn't, we only worked with them, like, maybe two years. But they then called me two years later to ask if I wanted to take on some part-time work with them doing, like, web copywriting, general PR work, marketing, social media, copy, social media copywriting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, again, like, I... I don't know that I don't remember like trying my hardest at the time to make them think that I was the capable person at my job. I don't even know why they decided to call me, but I think the most important thing is just to do, you know, 
do your job the best you can and, and make it blow people away. And then they will, your, your skill set will um, stick in their minds, you know? So I never imagined I'd get a job. Like when they called me, I was like, I, I have no idea why they're calling me. So the fact that they offered me work, I was sort of stunned, but um, I think, you know, A, it's okay to take jobs that you're not sure if you can do because you're always going to learn how to do it and hopefully learn a lot from them in the process. Yeah. And, and B, I think it's also, you know, something I've learned from working for myself is that I can now identify, and sometimes it's based on income because if I'm not in a position to leave a job, then I might have to stick with it for a while. But, but there have been times where I said to myself, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need to make any more income and I can actually let go of this client or this organization. And I've done that a few times. So being, that's another reason I wanted to work independently so that I could say no to work that I didn't really want to do. And so that's afforded me that freedom for sure. That's probably one of the rewarding aspects of working for yourself is being able to not have that nine to five stability, but also pick and choose what you your passions, interests are, and to be able to help others pursue their endeavors or um, help fulfill yeah. the mission that you're interested in. You know, I forgot that you were asking about like Tulane students, and I totally, I didn't even address that and, and working with students and mentoring. I, working, um, teaching was always something that was sort of in the back of my mind that I wanted to do. And since I went to Tulane, I had been thinking for a while that I wanted to teach there. And I had a few friends in the music industry who had taught at Loyola, and I thought, well, I really want to, I want to do that too. And they actually have more of a developed music um, department, music industry department. So it was, again, same kind of thing. Like she left somebody and then somebody else who was a professor there who knew me and, and had worked with me at Tipitina was, was teaching there and said, you guys should call Lindsay Adler and see if she wants to take on this job. So it was sort of, she left kind of last minute. So it allowed me to kind of slide in the door with no teaching experience whatsoever, just everything in my brain. You know, I, I hadn't written a book or a textbook. I just had to take everything that I learned for the last like 20 plus years and develop a syllabus. And so anyway, that long story short, um, was a great, um, teaching job that I had for, for several years. Um, they ended up hiring someone full-time to take on my class and two others. But then I had already at that point started teaching at Tulane. Um, and so a roundabout way of telling that whole story is that I really enjoyed the connection that I was able to have with these students, especially the ones who you could tell we're really interested in talking about music industry, music business, you know, marketing and music. And, um, I just found it really super challenging because I was actually terrified when I first started because I had never done it before. But when I realized, you know, the connection that I was making with these students and seeing them every week and, um, it just yeah. became something that I really enjoyed. So, I then started to kind of think about how else I could help, you know, mentor students, especially because I want to, in a way, I sort of want to give back a little bit because that was sort of my experience working in the industry here in New Orleans. Um, I didn't necessarily have a professor or anyone helping me, but the people that I worked with as a very young person helped grow my career so much that 
Um, and, and anyone that I had ever reached out to or made a communication with was always so willing to help. You know, I had a few mentors myself who were just so important to me. You know, their advice was important to me. Having the rapport with them was important. I mean, some of them I still talk to, you know, or in communication with for sure. So I just, because I think that connection is so important, I wanted to make myself available to whatever student wanted my help. Um, so at one point I was starting to go in the direction of like maybe building a little bit of a career on student mentoring, but then I started to get some other work and it just kind of took my attention away from it. So now I just do it whenever it falls into my lap and I'm happy to talk to anybody. Um, I've talked to students that I don't even know just as favors to other people because I know how important it is. Um, and I hopefully can help them, you know, with whatever limited advice I'm able to get. And is that something or like one piece of advice that you would recommend for students that are trying to navigate this field, trying to hone in on their craft is to get mentorship as much experience as possible? Yeah, I mean, it's I would I think having a, a mentor in the industry that you want to work in is super important, but it's not always something that you can force. So usually it's someone who, you know, might have been a, a teacher or a professor or someone you worked with that kind of falls into that role. I don't know that I've ever, I, mean, I have mentored, I don't know if I'd call it mentoring. I guess I've helped a few students that I've never, that I never met before. We did either a meeting or a phone call and I just gave them, you know, as much input as I, as I was able to. But so I, I mean, I guess that's mentoring to a degree, but I can't say that I'm like still in touch with any of those people. If you want to help, what you should really look to, I mean, you should talk to and listen to anyone who's willing to give you their advice. But I think the goal would really be to have a long-term mentor, someone that you can always go back and check in with. Um, I mean, my mentors, I've had, I've called them to ask their advice on what job, if I should take a certain job, what I should charge, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to listen to every, or you'd have to do every single thing that they suggest. It's really just, it's for me, it's just so nice to be able to bounce ideas off people. And at the end of the day, it's really about them encouraging you and, and, and showing support. Um, it helps build your confidence to know that there's someone out there in your corner. Um, so, you know, it's not like I started off 25 years ago saying, hmm, who's going to mentor me? It just sort of <laughs> naturally that a few people kind of stood out as um and, and kind of fell into that role for me so I can't although I do recommend you know setting up meetings and talking with anyone who you can the mentor the long-term mentorship is something that kind of tends to progress naturally um yeah except that it, it is sometimes um the job of the mentee to actually maintain that relationship. So it's when I say naturally, I don't mean it's going to be easy and you'll just connect whenever you're still going to have to try a little bit to maintain that connection. But um, I, I think it's, I, it's definitely important, you know, especially in terms of getting work, um, having the confidence to pursue opportunities and just, you know, I mean, recommendation wise too it's great to always know that you have someone you can call on for a rec for a job rec or um either a written one or you know i've done many um 
you know, not interviews, but phone calls with um, people that are hiring. Anyway, hopefully that was not too rambling, but. And I guess to wrap things up for our episode, any personal or professional goals that you have for yourself? It can be related to the music industry, not related. Um, you know, I, I haven't thought about it in a while because I just, I started doing some work in September for, um, it is related to music industry in a way, but it's sort of like a contract job for nine months and it might turn into something semi full time. So I have not really been thinking right now about like where I want to be in five years. Um, I would, I, I don't know that I ever want to teach full time. I think I would really like to continue just kind of taking on clients or part-time work as it, as it, you know, comes up. I'd like to, um, right, right now I'm teaching a class at Tulane in the summer. I don't know if that's going to be something that is forever. Um, this will be my third summer doing it and I'm really excited to continue. I would love to teach at Tulane maybe in the fall and the spring. Um, so that's sort of a goal, but you know, I just don't know if I can ever give up my, my flexibility and freedom of working at home. So I don't know that I want to work full time at an organization. Yeah. Um, and my kids are still like in the 10 to 13 range. So until they go to college, I, it's just, it's hard to like, I, I have a lot of respect for the people who actually do stay gone all day because getting stuff done, even when I'm working at home is challenging so I I just really really like being able to stay at home um and and still do the work I need to do I mean there are a lot of nights that I'm on the computer it doesn't mean that I work less hours it just means that I can do it from wherever I want so I yeah to answer your question I don't know for sure that I want to do except I know that I'd like to continue working freelance for as long as possible um and and teach a little bit more than I am right now I think that would be ideal. Well, thank you, Professor Adler, for being on the podcast, wishing you all great success during this time, especially being a professor at Tulane and with your entrepreneurial mindset for Social Mignola. And congratulations on uh, being a part of this great journey. Thank you so much, Forbes. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest, upcoming episodes that you will hear. Email at Media Industry Guru podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm I'm doing this I'm invested in this and tune in weekly 6 p.m. Pacific 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app Spotify Stitcher Pocket Cast Breaker and many more streaming platforms thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll